You are listening to Nerd Best Friends, a podcast that covers the nerdy conversations you're already having, or wish you could. It's the nerdiest thing you'll do this week. Hey, nerds, welcome back to Nerd Best Friends. I'm Annalise, I'm the Mary, and I'm here with my best friend, Rob. Hey, it's me, Rob, your best friend, your podcast host, and clearly, I'm the Mary, you're the Rhoda. The Nerd Best Friends podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Subscribe and follow us today. This is Season 2, Episode 25. In this episode, we talk about another cult classic, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. 2022 marked the 25th anniversary of the comedy film, which has found a home among cult classic films. But first, Rob's recommendations. I was searching around frantically trying to figure out what I was going to recommend this week. And I was looking around at what I've been doing and what I've been posting and just searching around the nerd room. What do I want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? And I realized that a lot of times when I post pictures of my games, whether they be like skirmish, any kind of miniature games that I'm, that I'm painting or playing, I often get comments asking questions about the mat, about the floor, about the covering right there. So I've realized like, oh, I've had to put links in posts for people a few times. So why don't I talk about that? I've used a bunch of like neoprene mats for games and those kinds of things. But one that I've found that I'm really liking right now, not a commercial, but a place called Mats by Mars. Mars like the planet. And what's cool about Mats by Mars is their floor mats are, what is that material that like big signs are made out of? Canvas? It's not canvas. It's a plastic. Doesn't matter. Skip that part. It's a very <laughs> thin plastic like they use for when they do billboards and stuff like that. And so it's really lightweight, which keeps the costs down. They've got a bunch of different settings or, or you know, pictures that are printed on there. And what's cool about it is, uh, one, those pictures are it's a very matte finish. You don't get a lot of glare. Some that I've tried, it's shiny, right? So when you try to take your pictures or when you're looking at the table, you'll get a glare off of them and that's no good. That's why Mars, it's a very flat matte finish and they cut them to sizes that are popular game board or game table sizes. And beyond that, you can get them printed to order with either no grid and inch grid for your Dungeons and Dragons, a hex grid for your battle tech or whatever like that. Whatever you want, you can kind of customize it that way, which makes it really easy. Again, it's a thin material, so it keeps the price down. And I get a lot of comments and questions on them when I'm posting stuff. So that's where they come from. Matt's by Mars. If you want something to flop down on your uh, on your game table, The thing that I like most about them is that nice matte flat finish so you don't get any glare on your tabletop. And those are the things that go, like if you have a neoprene board or a game board, you put this under that. That's a layer between your table and the game board or the neoprene board. Or is are you talking about when you are playing like D&D where you don't have a game board to settle on? I'm talking about it is a mat that you put on top of the table. So it's, you could have, it could look like grass. It could look like the moon. It. it could look like uh city streets, whatever that might be. You can, you flop that down and then put your, your cool stuff on top of it. How many would you say you have? 
all together, I have too many to count, but Mats by Mars, <laughs> I've got, I think I've got three. I have mm-hmm. one that's the same, that is a three by three for my game table that has no grid on it. I liked it so much, I got it again in a two by two that has the Dungeons and Dragons grid on top of it. And then I also liked it so much, I got one that is that is water for when we were doing another game, we had like ships and like water creatures and stuff. I got like this nice blue one with waves and stuff on it. So we have some nerd mail, Rob. How about you go first? Absolutely. So the first was not really nerd mail, but it didn't quite make the episode. As soon as we had our guest last week, Sean, for our Firefly episode, he had been listening to the podcast in preparation for his his visit. And sure enough, in pure nerd faction, he was like, I was listening to your Batman one yesterday. And um, well, actually, you <laughs> said that Jim Carrey plays the Joker and clearly Jim Carrey plays the Riddler in that movie. Of course, I think that was just a misspoke, but thank you for yeah, listening. Yeah, we misspoke it like on three different episodes last season. Oh, really? Without even catching ourselves. Cause, and the funny thing about that is, and I told him the same thing, I imagined that ridiculous like leotard with all the question marks on it was still calling him the Joker. Like it didn't ping in our in my head at all when we were doing those episodes. So yeah, you might have to you might have to check back on the we part of that. I'm not sure. When I say we, it's because I was not corrected in the moment. But the thing that I did want to highlight was an awesome post that we got on our Facebook page from listener Deborah, who shared a painting that they have in their house, which is like, it's your classic forest scene. It's got some smoky mountains in the background and it's got trees of multiple colors kind of in the foreground. Just a classic painting that you would see hanging on a wall somewhere. However, in the midground, was it them that went and painted that in? Her husband painted Her it. husband painted in the Iron Giant walking through that scene just behind the trees and in front of the mountain. It looks to scale. It looks like a shot, like a cell right out of the movie. It was so cool. And to know that it was that they saw that and they just had that vision to make that homemade scene and put it in there and then it hangs in their house just wore my heart. I thought that was a super, super cool share. So thank you, Deborah. And check out our Facebook page. If she hadn't had said that her husband did it, I would have assumed they bought a lithograph or something official from the film. It is so good. And yes, thank you for sharing it. We also got some nerd mail in our email about the questions from our Buffy one shot, which was an extension of our Buffy episode last year about the origins of Faith saying five by five. And our guess at the time was that you had mentioned you thought it had some sort of military background. And this listener shared a link from wordorigins.com. And we weren't too far away from that. There are some 1946 references to war. Wars with Marine Corps radio traffic using five. We're five by five. Everything here is five by five. So you were right that the furthest back reference we can find is war or military related. Is it or was that also in a movie? Like my um, my recollection was it was in a military movie. This uh, wordorigins.org doesn't say anything about a movie. It actually okay. says, but the earliest I have found in print is from January 1946. It refers to events during the war. From the U.S. Marine Corps magazine Leatherneck. And then there's the text of what they said. Platform 3 to Empire. I hear you loud and clear. I hear you 5 by 5 Do you mean to fire on those horses? Was the conversation between two folks that was reprinted in 1946. So it could have been also in a movie. But uh, you were right on the nose that it had a military background. Thank you to the listener for sending us that link. 
I didn't have to look that up because of course I'm I'm well up on my reading of Leatherneck. What was it? Leatherneck Weekly? Leatherneck magazine? <laughs> you had the subscription. Leatherneck periodical. Yeah. <laughs> you found it in your you found it in your uh dad's garage. I bought Stacks it because <laughs> I thought it was about popular G.I. Joe who oh, oh, wore no yes. shirt but a denim vest, leatherneck, but it turned out it was actually <laughs> it was actually a magazine from the forties. Listeners, keep interacting with us online. Keep writing in because you get great nuggets from Rob just like that. This episode, Rob, we are going over the cult classic from 1997, Romy Michelle's High School Reunion. And the reason why this episode made our season two episode list is because two things happened simultaneously while we were planning the season. Number one, there was a span of time where we thought that you might have to be absent from the podcast for an episode or two. So we came up with some subjects in which I could carry and maybe get some tidbits from you here and there. And then it worked out that you didn't need to be absent from the from the season at all. At the same time, one of my good friends from college, who is a big fan of the movie and will meet her in a second as a special guest, sent me this link from Vogue magazine. Very fitting. Vogue magazine. If you know the sh- if you know the movie, it's very fitting that this was in in Vogue. They had this long, I'm talking, you know, on the internet, if you try to print it, print it, I try to print it out, 117 page article in the magazine was probably four to five pages, which is pretty prominent in a magazine, but a long kind of history about Romy Romy and Michelle's. And it made me realize how many people really like this movie and how many people have fond memories of it and how you can't go a Halloween for the past 25 years where there there are people not dressed like Romy and Michelle every year it happens. So it was really great to read that article and get that background as well as add it to our season episodes this this year. And really quickly for our listeners who have not seen the film, the film follows two best friends from high school, Romy and Michelle, who have realized their high school reunion is coming upon them. Living in LA and planning a trip back to Arizona, the film follows flashbacks from their time in high school as well as what happens when they return home after a decade. So before we go further, I would like to introduce our guest, a very prominent musician and actress herself in Hollywood. This is Stacy. I invented Post-Its Bertram. Hello, nerds. How are we doing today? It's so lovely of you to have me on to talk about arguably my favorite movie of all time. Arguably. I mean, I could, I could argue with myself about other <laughs> movies. <laughs> it's hard to pick a favorite movie, but the, yes, there is so much about this movie that is just exactly right. Perfect. So we're super happy to have you here, Stacy. Thank you very much for being here, Stacy. I I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be your line the entire time. Yes, I think it will be. I don't know why I'm here. This movie, it's not a fantasy movie. It's not a sci-fi <laughs> movie. It's not based on a comic book. There's no graphic novel tie-in. There's no uh, there's no role-playing game spin-off. It's just a movie, you guys. You are here because you're my best friend. Spoiler, I may be taking some of Romy into my next <laughs> D&D character that I'm creating. Oh, no. I know. I guess I have to attack. <laughs> Anyways, more on that later. I first met Annalise in college. We were nerds together, music nerds, marching band nerds. And we had another best friend, Tiffany, who was uh, our roommate and bestie and cinema major. And she would always encourage us to go out to movies on the weekends and see all kinds of things and rent VHSs because, you know, it was the 90s. 
Romy and Michelle's was interesting because I remember being, I was a friend's fan, not like I am today where I'm like insane about it, but I enjoyed the sitcom in college. And I remember that the previews starring Phoebe looked relatively funny. And so you and I, we went to go see it. You were you were mentioning off air that you do not remember the first time you saw this movie. So I really don't. here is the first time you saw this movie. We went down... <laughs> We went down to the uh, the Century City, the Green is Good parking area, and it was a little bit dramatic because we were very excited to see this movie, and right before the movie started, you lost a contact in just one of your eyes. Was this that movie? Yes. I thought that was... No, I thought that was... Uh, uh, no, it was Slums the, of Beverly Hills. No, it was this one. I'm pretty Classic sure it was Slums of Beverly Hills. No, I remember... You leaned I over... That movie. You leaned over and you said, please just tell me anything I miss. Um, I guarantee you that's Slums of Beverly Hills. Let's review tape. I, I, dis- <laughs> I disagree. Anyway. But yes. But it was one of those movies that for me, though, it was so funny. I could barely laugh. Like I was just stuck in like amazement at the beats that they were able to hit and the jokes that they had and the cadences. Of, and we were just sitting there like, oh, my God, <laughs> this movie is everything. And I thought that it was sort of like you were mentioning at the beginning of this episode, sort of a niche thing that was just, you know, oh, we happened to catch this movie that, you know, maybe not a lot of other people thought about. But it turns out it's beloved. And I'm so happy to know that so many people care about it. Well, and to be clear, the movie was a flop. In all yeah. standards. I mean, it, it did okay. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the I in imagine the it did comedy numbers right like generic else. numbers yes yeah yes what they were anticipating was another clueless because clueless was a smash mm. hit and clueless actually the popularity of clueless and how many young girls and teenagers and young women went to see that film was what really propelled Romain michelle's to come to fruition because <clears throat> the studios went oh there is money to be made from that 14 to 25 female Let's make this movie who for people who aren't in high school. You know, it wasn't a blockbuster by any, I don't know what it is I'm trying to say. It wasn't a blockbuster. So real briefly, let's talk about the history of the movie, which I learned from reading that Vogue article. I had no idea that in the 80s, there was a live play called Ladies Room. It was a single set, single act play in which you are just looking like you are the mirror of a bathroom of a ladies room's in, in a what we'll call a mm. pickup bar. And what you're seeing is characters come in and out, women coming in and out. And it was a viewpoint and it became very popular. This play made it to Broadway. It was in it was in New York. It was in Chicago. It was in L.A. And Lisa Kudrow was the original Michelle in this play. So you had Romy and Michelle who ended up meeting up in the bathroom and telling their experiences about getting picked up by creepy men. And the whole, the reactions, the interactions that Romy and Michelle have together in the movie are very, were very much built from this play where something as minute as I hate throwing up in public. Oh, me too. Oh my God. Like that being a thing <laughs> was born in this play of these two <laughs> characters meeting each other in the bathroom. And I think you can see that a lot in the way that that they set up the the framing in this movie. A lot of the conversations that they're having and the things that they're doing, you could see in that mirror or something like that. Even from, yes. from the very beginning when they're sitting on the couch and there's they're watching Pretty Woman on the TV. Yes. And then when the camera flips, we're seeing it from 
as if we're looking kind of through the TV at them sitting on the couch. There's another spot where they are in the bathroom and you're looking at it from like the the mirror perspective. There's another one, I think, when they're in the they're in one of the gym sequences, I think, when they're on the bike and it's framed again like that, like you're looking at them in the front row from the instructor perspective kind of thing. So I think that carried over a little bit. Did you remember to deduct 17 pounds for your (laughs) for your shoes? Sorry. I can't. This movie is so lines quotable lines later um <laughs> you're right it's so funny there's a lot quotable from it, but, it um, the whole movie is playing in my head and i'm trying not to laugh and ruin your audio <laughs> <laughs> the truth be told phoebe exists because lisa lisa kudrow played michelle for so many years so this play was before she was famous for friends and it was actually because she became famous for friends that they kept her as Michelle because they were not originally going to cast her in this movie. You don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hands. I don't, wanna, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> it's a conversation. I just wanted to signal that I had something to say. So this is really interesting. So on that, so Lisa Kudrow is a groundling, right? The improv group in right, right, right. LA births a lot of super famous people. When you work up levels in that class, like you start in basic and then you go to uh, intermediate and then advanced, and then you get accepted into the writing where you basically create a whole lot of characters for yourself and you write sketches for yourself. And the meeting that Lisa, this is an interview I read with Lisa Kudrow about her sort of reflecting on her career. And she said, it all goes back to the groundlings because I was in the writing program and the writer that my mentors kind of pulled me inside and, and they said, you know, you're great, you know, really talented. We There's just one thing. Um, we've never really seen you play like a dumb girl because all the characters that she would write for herself were completely the other end of the spectrum. And so she thought, well, all right. And so that's where this character came from. And she's like, and there you go. I've played a dumb girl for the rest of my life because you've got that the idiot waitress on Mad About You that guested on Friends and you've got Phoebe from Friends and you've got Michelle. Yeah, her whole career is based on this sort of piece of advice, random advice that she got at the Groundlings. So the timeline goes that she was in this play, Ladies Room, right? And that was, that happened before. Then there was a TV comedy also called Ladies Room that she was in. Oh, they did a single pilot that wasn't picked up and it was really, really bad. Oh, okay. So that learned about that in the Vogue article. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So she, she played this character in the play. Then Friends comes along and she's like, this is my, this is my bit. This is my character that I'm doing. And that's super successful. So by the time the movie comes around, Roby and Michelle's, she's still playing that character because that's where it started. And I will say there are some subtle differences between Phoebe and Michelle. Um, Too subtle. Michelle, it is the same I think, person. <laughs> I think Michelle has a little bit more depth to her than Phoebe does. I think Phoebe and uh, maybe Stacy could chime in more about this because <laughs> you're, you're, you're more knowledgeable about friends. I think in friends, she's the one trick pony. And she plays a role yeah. as one of six. So her jokes are always this. I think Michelle has more depth. Like you don't get the serious in, in friends. You don't get the serious, you know, I didn't really know that things were not that great in high school. I had a blast. You and me have right. been best friends. Like you get a lot of these really honest, almost dramatic moments from, from Lisa Kudrow as mm-hmm. Michelle that you don't get as Phoebe. But I will say 
I, I read your comment on that, Rob, and I agree with you. I think if these were the only things that you have seen from Lisa Kudrow, One Trick Pony would, would make sense. But I have also seen her in dramatic roles in which she's very good. And what makes her a good actress in th- with this character that now she's used in a couple different scenarios, if we use terminology that Stacy threw out, beats. It's, it's the tempo and the timing in which she delivers a line where a, a simple like, me too is hilarious yeah. and that's where she well, yeah i mean that's the character she's she yeah. does it perfectly i mean that's her that's her yeah. bread and butter but the context matters because otherwise it's like oh they made a movie after friends where she played the same character in friends right. it's like fan service like whoop-de-doo you know? yeah and friends and phoebe really exists because she did this first and that's it's some right. great insight to have yeah. And, you know, and in 1997 or 98, whenever this was, we were not so saturated with the friends, everything like it was sort of four years, three years, I don't know, into the run of the show. This was 94. Yeah. So, yeah, like just, three just, years. Yeah, yeah, just a few years into the show popular. when it was getting really popular. And so now instead of these sort of, you know, cultural icons that all these characters have turned out to be and the presence in pop culture, it was just a show on TV. So I think what you're saying is exactly right. But I don't think people would have picked up on that then. I think they would pick up on it now. Excellent point. Another thing that I think has created this cult classic following of the movie is it is one of those movies. And Rob, you and I talked about this in both the nerd watching 80s and 90s episodes for a show like Freaks and Geeks that follows your not typical jock, your not typical cheerleader. Uh, Daria is one of those we talked about. This <laughs> falls, falls in that group as well. They go through as they're going through their high school yearbook in the movie. They're talking about the A group, all the popular kids, the cheerleaders and the jocks and the B group is all the theater and drama kids and the performing arts kids. And the C group is the nerds and the freaks and geeks and how Romy and Michelle really don't fit into any of those categories. So it is really about that other student. They are they are not in any of those fitting categories and they are their own. We hate high school. We don't want to be here. I can't wait to move out of Arizona to Los Angeles and be fabulous. Everyone here sucks. Like they're a totally different group of people that don't get a lot of play in pop culture. I'm going to say that that is, I think that's a struggle for this movie. I don't think that that becomes apparent until the end of act one. And I think they have to do a lot of explaining until you get like, once you get into that flashback sequence to really explain that and like put her in a back brace because the whole beginning of that movie, they're the clueless girls, right? They're hotties. They're in LA. They're kind of ditzy. And that's what you think the movie is. So then to get it to where they can move the plot forward by them being not excited, you know, excited to go to their high school reunion, but worried about what people will think. All of a sudden they've got to really like slam on the brakes and give you these flashback sequences and introduce a bunch of different characters. Cause they're not those characters when the movie starts. And it's an interesting, I don't know, choice or poor planning, or there's a different way that they could have done the beginning of that movie where even with the wardrobe choices, yes, they're outlandish, but they're very 90s outlandish and they're kind of skimpy. So you don't really get the sense of like, oh, these are awkward people who make their own clothes. They're just hot L.A. blondes, right? With a fun, frisky use of color. <laughs> and For clean sure. lines. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa Luter. Um <laughs> Yes, I agree with you, Rob, that there may have been a better way to unfold it. But I also don't think you get as endeared to Romy and Michelle 
and understand them unless it's unraveled in the way that it is, right? You don't understand Michelle wearing the back back brace backwards until you've met her, you know, Oh my God, I have indigestion from those taquitos. I hate throwing up in public. You, you have to buy into those characters before you get the woe is me story in this case, because you don't feel bad for them, right? And I, I read a lot in that Vogue article about how Romy is supposed to be a tomboy. That's why there's the Star Trek reference on her blue dress at the end. And, you know, that's why she's got the lower, like, half New York Philly accent voice, which she surprised everybody with that table readings just came <laughs> out with this this voice all of a sudden. I don't buy Romy as a tomboy. <clears throat> no. Right? The, there's no, some things I buy her that they never awkward. Quite... Yes, exactly. I, I think there's an awkwardness there. Like yes. when I was reading it and I heard that voice, I was like, oh, like, again, probably through act one, I was like, ah, that voice is really inconsistent. And then realize that's when she talks to Michelle, she talks normally. When she talks to people out in the regular world, or she's telling a lie, or she's trying, you know what I mean? That's when that voice comes out and it's very awkward. And that helps sell that kind of they're the the out of place weirdo characters very well. I think it's, I think it's just understated and just noticeable enough to be a really good acting choice for that, for that role. The brilliance of Mira Sorvino who won an Oscar as they were setting up to film this movie and being told by her, her, her people don't do this movie following an Oscar nod. And she did it anyways. I mean, she, there's mm-hmm. things she's brilliant in and that exact subtlety and how she came about that voice and choosing when to use it versus her LA persona. Brilliant. And again, it helps buy into those characters. I think you have to get endeared with them right away to continue to follow the movie and, you know, them sitting and making fun of pretty woman, and, <laughs> you know, what it means to Michelle once she finally gets to shop helps you kind of understand who they are before we can accept them as the, the awkward Madonna twins. <laughs> that was a really funny part as I was watching the movie. This was my first watch when I watched this movie. It was like, okay, like usually when you see a movie in another movie, it's because they're hanging the lampshade on like, this is the same movie. So I see that and I'm like, oh, okay, this is Chekhov's Pretty Woman. How is this all going to come through in the end? And it really doesn't. Nope. <laughs> it's immediately for you to know who they are. It's just immediately. a joke. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about favorite characters. Who's your favorite character in Romy Michelle's? Originally, it was Romy because I feel like I could just do her voice and I wanted to be her. And that cute <laughs> shirt she had that was like the, like the, the three, three hearts. hearts. I was yes. like, I would look cute in that because, you know, I've got I've got some boobs. As I've gotten older and come back to the movie and watched it, I've really enjoyed the real character work and the planning that went into who they each are. They're not just two of the same, two sides of the same coin. Like they both are coming from very different places in what their perception are, what their perceptions are of themselves. Like Romy is very much the leader and very much the wisher and the needy and earnestly wants to belong and michelle's like everything's cool whatever and looks to romy for how how are we feeling right now how are we doing right now and it's not until the last act that that flips a little bit michelle's like those are little subtleties at least for me they were subtleties i just thought it was funny a long time ago so i've enjoyed sort of picking apart those characters i love janine garofalo i love everything she says is hilarious (laughs) a favorite i like christy masters christensen I think they're just great. I mean, I don't know. You guys went to high school together. What was your take in high school? Like, did you guys have this, have these horribly mean people that they, you know, satirize in, in these comedies? I was not popular, but I was not, it was not this cutthroat culture. At least I didn't think so. I will say the thing that pings out of this movie the most 
is everybody made somebody's life hell in high school. And I think that is 100% accurate. I know I made totally. somebody's life hell in high school. And I know totally. that people made my life hell in high school. I, I think it doesn't matter. We start talking about the stereotypes of kids. Someone like me was in a little bit of everything. I played sports and I was in band and I was in drama and I was in mock trial with all the nerds. And like I did a whole bunch of different things. That's where Romy and Michelle really pinged me. Like I wasn't really part of any group, mm. right? But also I, I think the most poignant thing is, yeah, that you have your mean girls. You have I mean, there's a whole nother franchise of movie, <laughs> thanks to Tina Fey, that focus on the Christie Masters Christensen and the A group mm. kids, right? I, I think that the main point being that everyone made made someone's life hell in high school is exactly what is probably the most powerful part of the movie. Yeah, that well, really well said. Yeah, 100%. This podcast exists as part of my midlife crisis because in <laughs> high school and junior high, I was terrified to talk about the things that I was into with comic books and Warhammer and magic cars because that was, there was a stigma and I would be looked at as different or there would be, heaven forbid, something interesting about me that wasn't the same as everyone else so that, that people could make fun of. Yeah. Yes, that is the high school experience, or at least it was at that time. I think there's still some of that there now, although things are a lot more the the nerdisms and, you know, Marvel doing so well for over a decade now that comic books aren't at, seen as nerdy, but you still have, I think that that line would still ring true. Everybody made Maybe someone so. like that. I know there's just, there's a lot less of the monoculture now. It's, it's expected sure. that everybody does their own thing and has their own niche of interest because that's just the way media and information is set up now. You are... You go look for the things you're interested in, your social medias and your and your algorithms feed you the stuff that you're interested in. And of course, they're going to be different than the next person and the next person and the next person. I don't know if you, you make fun of people for the things they're into now because everybody's into something different. The, ironically, you still get the groups, right? So they also mm. still go find the people who are interested in the things they're interested in. And you'll still get that dichotomy of this group versus this group. I don't know if it's as clean as A, B, and C group as it was in the 80s, but you certainly have like, oh, there's the emo kids. There's the the kids who are all in theater. There's the kids who mm. um, go ditch school down behind the dumpster and smoke. Like sure. those groups still exist. And there's always going to be conflict between those groups because that's human nature. The conflict may not be as ugly as it was in the 80s and 90s. You know, we, we definitely identify bullying a lot more now and are freely open and talk about it in the high school culture now than we did 25, 30 years ago. But we still haven't answered the question. All right, can I talk so, about wait, my- Wait, what was the question? first. The question was, who's your favorite character, Stacey? You haven't answered the question. My answer, I'll go first. Janine Garofalo by far. That's um, mine. Why would you go first if you knew that that was mine? I did not read your notes and I did not know that was yours. I'm wait not even supposed to be here today. I read some of your things. I did not read that one on purpose because I didn't not want to know who your favorite character is before you told me. But it's also no surprise to me that as my best friend, we have the same favorite character. And for for me, that just comes from who can I relate to the most, right? I can't relate to Romy and Michelle. Uh, the, people consider me a tomboy. I'm not a big fan of the use of the word, but I don't identify with Romy. I was never skinny, pretty blonde, hot girl that wears Well, that was my thing. Like, I mean, that was not my thing. That was my point. <laughs> I wanted in college very desperately. I was like, that's something that I maybe could pull off some on some level because she was sort of, there was just more to her than being such like, like she was a little, she was a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> I keep going. She's, she's good looking. And there was the, she was still the tomboy, right? Sort of. She yeah. was still the, she was still the, 
I don't know, beefier of the two of them, if you will. And I don't but, mean yeah. that by physical appearance. No, no, no. But, but yeah, for my high, for my high school, for my, my college dreams and projections, like that's why I think I fixated on her a little bit. But after many, many rewatches, like I enjoy so many of each character's little moments that they have, all the little side characters. And I'm not going to pick Janine Garofalo, even though that's probably what I would pick. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just just to be different. P.S. I always think of Janine Garofalo whenever I watch whatever the Niners play and Jimmy Garofalo. It, Garofalo. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. I always think his name is like I hear Garofalo, it in my head as yeah. Jimmy Garofalo. It's a stupid joke, but I had to make it. So take that. I drinks. like I like Billy Christensen because he's just an effing <laughs> idiot. Like the, and <laughs> he's like he's cute. But he's like dumb and the, he does the actor Vince does a very good job, in my opinion, making him sort of appealing because he's an idiot. Like that little cheer he does when he has his prom king crown on like, like he's just dumb. And I, and how about how he repeats that when they're at the reunion and Romy agrees to go get a room with him? He does. He repeats it as an old version of himself. And it's it's brilliant. He plays yep. it very well. Why do you like Janine Garofalo's character? Remind me, I can't even remember her name right now. What's the character name? Uh, Heather. Heather. Heather Mooney. Mooney. That's right. Why is Heather Mooney? Like their cigarettes. <laughs> Heather Mooney is the best character because she has she has the running joke when we are introduced to her and she says and she's like, "What have you been up to?" And she's like, "I invented a cigarette paper that burns faster." And it's like. Well, that's really dumb. Like it's it's like a funny joke, and you're like, "That's dumb. Nobody would want that." And then that joke comes back twice the hit in half the time. And then you're like, "That's that's absolutely a nothing invention." And then when you get to the flashback, and she's trying to smoke her cigarette, and the bell rings, she's like, "Oh, somebody should invent a fast burning Uh cigarette so you can smoke them between classes." And it's like, "Oh my god, that joke came back. It was super funny." Then it comes back again in Act Three when Romy and Michelle go. They're like, "We invented." post-its and it's all stupid and she's like what did you do and she's like i invented that cigarette that burns fast and they don't believe her because Roby and michelle okay, yes, did their yes. dumb thing so it comes back a third time that's like the joke of the movie and that's why that was my favorite character because by the time it hit again that third time i was like oh you know what that was very that was a well-written joke, a just joke. Kept yeah. I, was, I was just gonna say i also really enjoy playing like six degrees of friends in this movie because so there's the obvious. There's Lisa Kudrow. Then Christy Masters Christensen plays a love interest of Ross on Friends. Oh, how funny. She's married to the guy who hums while he pees, who actually was the dad on, uh, what's that show that we're too old for? Gilmore Girls. Like, I feel like my age, I just missed. Yeah, that I didn't show. watch Gilmore's. Right. Gilmore anyway, Girls. Christy Masters Christensen. And then Billy Christensen is fun Bobby, Monica's boyfriend. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Okay. And... Lisa Luter, I don't think she was on there, but she is very famous. Elaine for Animals mm-hmm, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. People love her from The Parent Trap. Yes. But that's not a Friends thing. Nah, I'm, I may have to come back to this. Who's your favorite like- character, Annalise? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, look, I already answered Heather Mooney. And for me, though, Heather <laughs> Mooney represents all the other girls who aren't tall, blonde, skinny, and pretty, right? You with your long legs, you with your long hair, you walking your legs, legs, you spinning your hair. Like (laughs) she, she represents everyone else. And Janine Garofalo by herself is just a brilliant comedian. Some of my favorite moments with her in the movie, she's not even the central focal point. 
right? She can turn from busy career woman in LA to, I did not have a thing. I did not have a thing. Like she can emphasize and switch on a dime how much. I was very much in love with him. Very much in love. And there's a difference. (laughs) There's a difference. Yeah, I mean, she, she's great with that. But how about when they're announcing all these people in their class, like, oh, so-and-so just spent four years with the Dallas Cowboys and she spits out the beer. Like, she's just the real person in the movie. Yep. I bet that made you laugh, Rob. It, it did. It did. When she just dribbled beer all over herself. I definitely did laugh. That, and it's just, these are things that aren't written. I also learned just a just a quick... Quick tangent. Lisa Kudrow apparently vamped and improvised that formula for glue. It wasn't (laughs) written in the script. And this is from the Vogue article where she said, yeah, I just kind of made it up. So tangent on that. But yes, it is. It is Heather Mooney. My favorite line in the movie. This dress exacerbates the genetic legacy that is my betrayal. And I have used that in real life my entire, like, I can't wear this. This is, these clothes show the genetic, <laughs> like, I use that line and people go, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. For me, though, it's like I've given birth to my own, like, baby girl. Except <laughs> she's so like a big girl who, said, who smokes and says shit a lot, you know? <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. How about favorite favorite moments? This might be hard, but if you had to choose one moment in the film that is your favorite, what would your favorite be? And while Stacy is in shock with this question, Rob, how about you go first? For me, it is the, the car <laughs> scene when she shows up with the car. One, like there's a whole, there's like a funny scene for her to get the car. And then this very nice Jaguar pulls up and it's like, okay, perfect. Cause she worked at the Jaguar dealership. And she did this thing. It pulls up and it's just sparkling, beautiful on the beach looking perfect and then she hits the lacucaracha horn because of course it's (laughs) only ramon would have ramon yeah it's got ramon's horn on it which totally made me laugh and then they have the whole scene talking about it but then they get in and it just it totally sets up that expectation of like hollywood on the beach you know muscle beach you're gonna drive down the thing and it backfires and like (laughs) the clutch pops out because he said he was fixing it up and they just keep going. It's one of those jokes where like, oh, the joke happened. We're going to do it again. Woo. Yeah. And the same thing happens. And then we're going to do it again. <laughs> they get excited. And the music starts playing. Pop, 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 pop. Like that scene is awesome. That's my favorite scene of the movie. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other movies that do that exact same thing, but it, it, it just, it just struck me from it being a Jaguar from the beginning to like Ramon's horn to everything that that was my favorite scene. You know what bothers me about the end of this movie? They jump in his helicopter. Thank Who you. Goes back and gets Where's Ramon's the car? car? No, Ramon got screwed on that one. I mean, I have, I have okay. waited for the DVD extras and f- for the commentary for the, Vo- the Vogue article was very thorough and did not address this. But didn't address it. No. The only okay. thing I mean, Sandy Frank is rich. He probably paid someone to just drive it back. But uh, you know that that went through my head every time yep. I watched it. I, the and the scene that your Ramon's car doesn't get tied he up. He doesn't get his closure. The part I love about the scene, that scene the most, Rob, is that last time you can see on their faces, they acted brilliantly. They're waiting and right? the car's going and then, okay, now we like, It's perfect. It's, it's really great. good. It's really, it's a really good scene. I will go next. My, my favorite part of the movie is actually a really, really subtle part that probably took three or four watchings before I even realized what was happening. And this is another Lisa Kudrow brilliant thing to who just owned the character Michelle. When they leave in the car, it's playing Footloose. And if you pay attention, she's singing along, but she doesn't know the words. 
Mm-mm. So if you listen very carefully, she's just uh, oh no, you don't have to listen very carefully. Tell. Like it is, I've got one hand and then ah, like yes, <laughs> like and and it goes on because it cuts to them a little bit on the freeway, and it's a little bit later in the yep. song, and she's yep. still singing the wrong words. For me, that, that subtlety is hilarious, and it makes me just laugh every time. We have all been on road trips where someone is singing, and all of a sudden just starts singing random words, and you're like, is that what? that song always said and thankfully we have little devices in our pockets these days that that can that can do that but in 1997 that wasn't the case they had a flip phone but they couldn't google google did not exist they couldn't google the lyrics to footloose so there's michelle just singing along whatever the whatever the word she she thinks is and i just i i love that moment so endearing to me makes me love michelle that much more I'm going to try and describe. There's literally almost no dialogue, but it's my favorite scene in the whole movie. And it's the part that I have watched so many times just and tried to analyze the the comedy, how they got it to be so funny. But it is when they're in the laundromat and they're filling out their forms. Romy goes, I'm so excited to be going to this reunion. And then Michelle's like, me too. Uh. And then Romy goes, oh, uh. and that exchange is the funniest thing that I had ever seen in my life. It's so stupid, but it makes me laugh <laughs> so hard because it's it's just their little banter of, and they're not even saying words. Oh, uh, 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 like, <laughs> like, what is that? But it's awesome. That's my favorite. I, I thought you were going to say the business women. Uh, oh, my God. That might be a close second. Because that's by itself. Do you have some sort of business women special? And eventually, the, we're doing Tucson later for a thing. And they're, you know, they're trying to pull off these outfits that they made. And finally, the waitress is, you know, what kind of business you all in? And <laughs> Michelle just turned just that look. She turns yeah. and looks at Romy and the scene just sits there for a minute. And again, it's yeah. a nonverbal thing that, mm-hmm. that makes them really own these characters. I yeah. thought that was going to be your favorite. You no, that's a good one. That's and I told I've told you before on at least that is how I used to look at you during football season. <laughs> okay, all, what, what happened? Everyone's all boo, and Stacy goes, "What? What are we doing? What happened? Why are we booing? <laughs> yeah, why are we upset? <laughs> Do we clap for that? Oh, that's good stuff." The next category is quotable lines. I think we've already quoted them throughout this podcast. But is there any that anything that comes to your mind, Rob? Is there anything that comes forward as quotable? I did. I grabbed the line, God, Michelle, you're the funniest person I know. I wish guys were as much fun as we are. And I grabbed that quote because I feel like that's a very overall attitude of the movie and their friendship and their situation. I think that quote sells the movie and lets you know what it's about right there. Yeah, right on. What about you, Stacey? It, almost every line is so quotable. The one that just <laughs> popped into my head is when they're like... <laughs> Looking at their yearbook and they're like, do you remember what a controversy it was for us to have our <laughs> picture taken together in the yearbook? Yeah, because Danny Weller like lodged that complaint, you know, because alphabetically he's supposed to be between us. And so then we were like, okay, Danny, if you want to be between us, you can come over on Friday night. And we'll be waiting. And then he came over and we we're like, Danny, it was a joke. And we turned the sprinklers on him. Oh my God. And then there's this beat and then they go, didn't he die? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Oh, there is. <laughs> That's a great is... choice. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> There's a lot quotable from this movie. I know, I've already talked about my favorite line. I mean, I'm the Mary, you're the Rhoda is really funny. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that, yes, that whole scene because, yeah, because she's like, oh, you know, you're the Rhoda, you're the Jewish one. I'm 
talking cuteness <laughs> I'm wise. Talking cuteness wise, Romy. Like, yeah. yeah, who always gets asked to dance first? Who lost their virginity first? And she's like, Oh, oh it's your, your cousin, cousin Barry. Barry. <laughs> Big wow. <laughs> I wouldn't brag about that. But- no, but that's a joke. You have to be older. Like you have to be old to get that joke. And it's not even a joke. Yeah. And you and you're not that old, right? Like I'm not that old that I watched the Mary Tyler Moore show and Rhoda when they came out in the seventies, but everybody our age watched all those shows on reruns mm-hmm. on Nick at Night because that's what yeah. that's what it was on, right? So that's yes. what's like struck me about that is like, okay, these people are my age. It's not like this is an old movie and I happen to get that joke. It was like this is a joke for all of us who watched these things in the nineties because <laughs> yes. that's what was on Nick at Night. Right. Nick at that's Night. That's yeah. why it got yeah. me so good. And now I like the, I, I know, <laughs> right? So sad. Uh, how about the I forgot my top running joke in the <laughs> dream sequence? So the big spoiler here, if you've not seen this, this movie, <laughs> listeners, there's a whole dream sequence where they have a gotcha moment. Rob, I don't know if you figured out early on it was a dream sequence. It took it took the moment where Cameron Mannheim's character is floating over the car and saying, come on, guys, it's time for the boat. And then he flies out of the of the limo did i think it was a dream sequence but there's <laughs> there's a lot of moments in there and in that michelle going up i can't find my top i can't she's making out with <clears throat> sandy frank in the back of the limo and so she comes back into the reunion just in her bra and she goes up and gets a little <laughs> award and she goes to the mic and says i couldn't find my top everyone applauds and just, what and everyone's like what <laughs> like there's a lot of good. There's a lot of funny in this movie. There's a lot of quotable. And I think you're right. Rob, the, I'm the Mary part. That really got me. Yeah. <laughs> I that was really funny. And I just, I don't know why, but that one really got me. So we talked about this movie being a cult classic. And, and sometimes like Rob, I think Rob, in your notes, I, I saw that you put like, this is not a must watch. Like when you're talking about cult classics and you're talking about movies like Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction becomes a must watch if you like movies. This is not one of them. Sure. And I agree. So why the cult classic following? What is it about this movie that has made it as popular and endearing as it is to the point where the crux of that Vogue article was that Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sovino did an appearance on a random together unannounced on an award show and they came out in bright colored outfits and the crowd went crazy and the internet Mm -hmm. went crazy it has that kind of cult following so why why a cult following for this movie Wait, are you, oh, you're I, asking I thought you were question? asking Rob I thought you were asking Rob I'm asking don't ask me I've never heard of this movie until this week well, but you've you've certainly seen it now and you can sure. attest to what might be attractive about it to <laughs> audiences i I would love to know rob's take just just because his experience is so different than ours which is he's not reconnecting to you know being 19 he just saw it like today so i think his take will be different than mine my take is that it's because this one is the girl one right there was dumb and dumber there was wayne's world later there was tommy boy like these are all the same movie of two friends and there's a road trip involved and there's an event that they have to wear silly outfits to go to and those kinds of things like there it's a very cookie cutter 90s comedy movie but this one is the girl one and that means something because 
all the other ones I listed are not, right? I think that that's, that's important. That's why it has the biggest audience. If we were to look at people who love 90s comedies like this and pull a bunch of my age dudes, a third of them would say, oh, Wayne's World is the best one. A third of them would say, oh, Dumb and Dumber is my favorite, you know, blah, 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 blah. But if we're going to ask probably women of our age, they say, oh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion was the, is the 90s comedy to go to for me because it was, it was the one that was like that good point well played yeah yeah absolutely i i think for me that for me though (laughs) there is a nostalgia that's present now with all the 90s things like 90s were just normal and now all of a sudden they're like classic and that's very strange as a person who like you guys like suddenly we're older i don't know when it happened but we just are like our pictures start to look dated and our hairstyles start to look dated and it's just bizarre And that's saying, what a fun snapshot of A, like, you know, 1997 clubbing culture with just, I think it's fun to look back on it. But for me, though, there is a real like sweetness that I get to reconnect to in the age I was when that came out and the time in my life it was that was so special, like being in college and having a strong group of friends who I laughed with like that, going to see it with you, with one of my friends who I used to laugh with like that, like, and the fact that it was about, it was a female-led comedy with two women who were, you know, idiots, but like sort of making their place in the world. And that's how I felt when I was that age anyway. Yeah, trying trying to figure out who I was and who I used to be and who I was going to be. And I think that all resonates a whole lot. And the movie is sweet. There's such heart to it. Because it essentially is about a friendship. And I could, I could get emotional talking about it. But. <laughs> I can meet you there with the nostalgia about it, Stacey, because of where we were at the time. I talk about, Rob and I argue about the greatness or not greatness of Buffy a lot. And so, and I've, <laughs> I've admitted some of that is the time that I watched it, right? So if I pause real quick and tangent on the story I told about how my roommates made fun of me for watching Buffy, but they had to watch it to record it on VHS. Stacy was and- the one that pulled me in the door and said, what is this episode talking about the hyenas for? What is going on here? By the like second or third episode of season two, hooked Stacy, hooked our roommate Tiffany, and also shout out to so Tiffany. Funny. She uh, just had a baby, so congratulations <laughs> on the new baby girl, Tiffany. The two of them congratulations. then- they got into Buffy through that. So a lot of, not a lot, but some of my attachment to Buffy is because we sat down and became a thing together. So that, Absolutely. to the extent that when the final episode aired, <clears throat> Stacy came, drove up from- That's right. Came over to my apartment from like Long Beach and Tiffany flew from Atlanta and came in so we could watch the finale, the final episode together. So that is part of what Buffy is. That's a big part of what Romy Michelle is for me as well. But I learned a lot reading that Vogue article and the timing of it. Like Stacey, we can say right now that was the 90s, but it actually wasn't. Because at the time we were in grunge. We were emo girls. We were everyone oh, was hard. And, and at the time, Romy Michelle were... Uh, fresh air from the smells like teen spirit girls, right? All of a sudden they weren't afraid to use bright colors. They weren't afraid to use bright blonde hair. That's in all these funky styles and outrageous and outlandish, like cherry earrings dangling from Michelle's ears. Like, it was opposite of everything that was popular at the time to the extent that this is now what people think was the 90s is the, these bright colors and these patterns. And that really wasn't the case. The other thing that took me a long time to get, and this is now the adult me taking the nostalgia out of it. This movie is not about a high school reunion. It's about these two characters being placed in this setting. And that being said, I would watch more 
of them being placed in awkward settings. I could watch Rowan Michelle's <laughs> 30th high school reunion because it is that kind of funny. So yeah. I appreciate the build of these two characters. I appreciate how funny it is. And I understand the cult classic, especially if someone didn't watch it in 1997, how girls and women in particular can band behind the, this is a story about what true friendship and true love between your friends is, is about. And I think that's why it's so endearing. How about final thoughts? My final thoughts on this movie are, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's a perfectly serviceable 90s comedy. It's probably a cut above some uh, some others. I don't know how it holds up for an audience in 2023. It's not a nerd watch. It's not a must watch. It's a funny comedy from the 90s. And I think like a lot of those comedies, if it hit you hard where it hit you, great, more power to you. One of the things Annalise likes to say in on this podcast is you could be a nerd about anything and so if you want to be a nerd about your favorite 90s comedy and get all into it and and cosplay for halloween Roby and michelle with your best friend absolutely go for it you know there's nothing there's nothing bad to say about it i won't even supposed to appreciate it <laughs> oh, i'll allow it i'll allow it that's it <laughs> what, what do you got stacy final thoughts I'm so, I love this movie so much. It, it, to speak to what Rob was saying, I have selected a few people in my life over the past couple of years who've never seen it. And I've said, okay, they might get it because I recognize it is a little bit like not everybody is going to sit down and find it hilarious. <laughs> That's my vetting process for friendship is like, would they think this is funny? But it has been really amazing to sit down and watch it again, as if for the first time with people who've never seen it, who have no idea what the jokes are. I mean, you know, we can quote it, you and I. So I guess I'm saying, I think it holds up, Rob, depending on who you are. I don't think it's for everybody, but I think the people who love it, love it and will continue to love it. What well, are those reactions? Like if you show a 19 year old today, this movie, what is the reaction? Well, I don't, I don't hang out with a lot of 19 year olds. But- <laughs> But touche. They get a lot of joy out of the silliness of these two characters. The things that make them laugh are often not what I'm expecting them to laugh at, which has also been fun. Like jokes that I think are like fine, but don't make me, they're not the quotable lines. We'll have other people laughing much harder. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to watch a movie with someone, watch a movie, you know, like as well as yourself, but with someone who's never seen it, it's fun. If we go with people who are younger than us, I think an answer to that question, especially if you are female, is that one, if I'm a 19 year old, 17, 18, 19 year old female, you don't have to fit in in high school. There are people just like you who feel like outsiders and everyone made somebody's life hell. And then if you're a little bit older, if you're in your 20s, 28, 29, 30, the same age Romy Michelle is, you don't have to go back to your high school reunion to oppress people. You go back to see how people are doing and it's not about winning at that point. I think there are some things that in general women can attach to who have never seen it before. But is it funny? Yes, because those two characters are hilarious. You don't need, this is one setting that I don't sit back and think, wow, this would be really different today with cell phones, right? I don't Mm -hmm. feel that way ever in this movie. So it, it is timeless in the relationship that Romy and Michelle have. So those jokes are still funny because you don't need to have current setting 2022 technology in the room in order for those two to still be funny. That's a good point. Mm. This movie works the same today as it would, because if there was a social media aspect 
to it. And those two, the two main <laughs> characters decided to go on social media and see what everybody was up to before they go to the reunion. There's the new the movie, Rob. factor mm. is still the same for them yes. to try to make something up to be more impressive. In all actuality, Romy and Michelle become influencers. If they graduate <laughs> high school now and go to, so, yeah. go to LA, they're well known. They're, they're rich and famous themselves. That would be the only difference. But yeah, they would be keeping up with everybody on social media. Instead of looking through their yearbook, they're looking through Snapchat and Instagram. The female best friend relationship there still holds up. I would say the only difference is like when Romy's working at the Jaguar thing, instead of picking up the company phone, she would have been like, excuse me. And she'd be texting, yeah, Michelle, texting. you will never believe who I just saw, right? That would be, <clears throat> those are subtle differences. You don't sure. think about that while this movie is mm-hmm. going on. So I think a 19-year-old would find some things funny. Probably not the same thing us in our 40s would think is funny. When they're out at the club and they're, oh my God, you know, Michelle, there are absolutely no guys here tonight. She's like, oh, I know. Sometimes I just wish I were a lesbian. And then she goes, want to try and have sex sometime just to see if we are. And she's like, oh my God, Michelle, the thought of having sex with another woman totally creeps me out. But if we're not married by the time we're 30, ask me again. And that joke made us laugh in college as 19-year-olds. Because like, oh yeah, 10 years down the road. We both sort of had the realization at the same time, like, wait a minute. They're like 28. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> that yeah. joke we had really... layers of hilarity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's only in two years yeah. from now. Yeah. No, They're like... That is definitely apparent <laughs> in that joke when you think about them going to their 10-year high school reunion. Uh, still stands up in my in my reboot that we were just talking about where there's all kinds of social media and cell phones that joke still exists but it's like an only fans joke now <laughs> oh she has an only fans yeah uh, yeah that would act that that tracks rob tracks. That, that... i will I, i'm gonna ask i'm gonna pose another question before we get off the topic of the movie okay. when you are so entrenched in the quotes of this movie is it one of those things where you can find other people would you throw down a quote when you're at work or in a social situation, does it ping other people and you make that eye contact across the room? I haven't noticed it in social settings. I have noticed it on the internet. If you can make a clever quote often, I mean, from this movie or, or any sort of little world, that is very fun to recognize. I don't know if I have encountered enough situ maybe that's my problem i have not encountered enough situations in the real world where i can put out the litmus test of (laughs) how worthy are the people that i'm hanging out with i can't say that i ever have purposely tried if i'm not in a room with stacy or tiffany i'll be really honest with you that comes way more naturally when i'm hanging out with them yeah and also because the quotable lines for me are so subtle a simple like you know stacy texted me earlier i'm so excited to be on the show today I knew right right away my response is going to be me too and her response is going to be uh uh right like <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't know that I go there around other people like rob i quote random crap around you all the time i don't i just don't know that i ever went there because a a simple like me too would not resonate knowing you had never seen the movie actually i do also have a final thought i'm gonna throw in there i am glad you are here rob as my best friend i love sharing this stuff with you even though it's not stuff you would have ever seen (laughs) so thank you for that and hey rob um oh my pleasure (laughs) but uh yeah i can't say that i've ever I, i may have said things before that either people did or didn't pick pick up on i can't say there aren't any that come to my brain other than heather mooney's line that i said i say all the time like when i'm trying on clothes and people really don't get it no but once in a while someone will you just need one (laughs) (laughs) one 
<laughs> when you're rolling this deep. so fun having you on the podcast, Stacey. I'm so glad you're here. And we invite you to take part of our weekly segment and tell us what's the nerdiest thing you did this week. I, I feel like I don't want to go there that this is nerdy, but last week I marched in the homecoming. <laughs> of course I mean, that's, that's nerdy. I mean, but that's also, we told ourselves we were cool. I have sunglasses, you know, if you have sunglasses. You can be, you can be nerdy about everything and being in the greatest you know, in history of the universe is definitely nerdy, but also amazing. You know, my new, my new thing, I'm in school right now. I'm a hypnotherapist in training to be a hypnotherapist. And so I suppose that's nerdy. Like you say, you, you get very, uh, entrenched in your subject that you are studying. And I definitely feel like a subconscious nerd. If you could hypnotize me into believing that like one craft beer is all I need, that would be super great. <laughs> oh, it's going to happen off podcast. I love Seriously. new content uh-huh. coming your way. Listeners. That would be an episode. I would, that's, a I YouTube, would be, that's a great YouTube. Let's I would be happy to do that. Hypnotize Rob. <laughs> just we got to do something really silly, like hypnotize Rob to say like me too. Every time I say <laughs> X, Y, or Z. No, it's no, no, not. No, she's not. That's not, not, that's not therapeutic. She's a therapist. I, yeah, you he know. has to help me lose weight. Rob, what's the nerdiest thing you did this week? I'm going to have two. This was not going to be as, as meaningful by the time this episode comes out, but I did this week get an advanced screening of Wakanda Forever. It, was, it was super cool. We got to go a couple days before it came out through uh, my wife's work. And so theater was just packed full of people and we got to see the movie before anybody else did. Before the movie came out, of course, I was like, oh man, well, what's, what's this one going to be all about? Ironheart is a relatively new Marvel hero. I think she debuted in like 2016. So I did not know what I needed to know about Ironheart. So quickly as soon as we found out like the tickets were out and we were going to go see this movie i was like oh well but that's about that character that i don't know about so i jumped on my marvel unlimited app and just poured through all the iron heart origin story stuff and shared it with my family i don't think they stayed up all night reading uh, <laughs> iron heart comics like i did but it was fun for me the other thing i'll talk about though is more 3d printing i think i mentioned 
last week or a couple weeks ago how I printed a cool dice tower. I've got a bunch of them that I like, but then how gratifying it was to like give that away to another nerd who thought it was really cool and now they're using it during their D&D games. I did something similar. Listener Juliana, who was a guest on last week's Firefly episode, is also a miniature painter. And so what I was able to do was set her up for her painting station. I 3D printed out all of these like stadium style stared paint holders. So now on her desk, everything is organized and it's all got a little place for each little paint pot or squeeze bottle, whatever it is out there. And I know that she's very happy with it. And that does my nerd heart proud. So setting up that printing and setting up that painting station was was very cool. That painting stand you put together is pretty legit. Does the backside of it, it has like holes for the paintbrushes to sit as well? It's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. That's pretty sweet <clears throat> setup. Thank you. All right, Annalise, how about you? Oh, I know what you've been doing. (laughs) If you followed our social media, you know what I've been doing. But I will start with, I also have kind of a double. I've talked about how much I'm a nerd about Stephen King. He's got a newest book out that I got at Costco when it was first released because Costco sells them for about $10 under, under jacket price. But it sat and it sat and it sat. And then I went to a conference in which I was going to be on a plane and, you know, some waiting time. And I have been burning through his newest book called Fairy Tale. It is very good. It's super excited. I can't explain anymore. But when I read Stephen King, it's like water in my brain to the extent that it, it just flows for me. His writing flows for me. And, and I just I read through those books faster than anything else in the world. So I've been I'm almost done reading it. I read some more yesterday. But if you've been following our social media, I have have done everything you could possibly do for Final Girl except paint all of the minis. So I watched their video on how to box everything up and I followed along and had everything out and open. I closed the doors so the animals couldn't come in so the dog and cat couldn't come mess with my stuff and how to put all the different things in the little boxes and organize it so it's all set to go. I painted the first two Final Girls and the first character Hans, shared those on our social media and yesterday I got through the first game and I had such a blast. I got flat out murdered my final girl got (laughs) ledge hammer murdered by hans and it wasn't even close but man it is a really good game and it flows really well once you get through the mechanics of it so i'm looking forward to i'm gonna try the other final girl in the same setting as i'm painting the next one over it's an amazing game it is solo play amazing game that's card based and decision based and real stakes because you have little victims around and each round the bad guy might go for a victim he might go for you and he might go for whomever's nearest and you have to try to save them so you gain some special things and there's a lot involved but it as complicated as it looked it is not complicated to play so it is a blast i had a really good time and i'm thankful for you rob for for finding this game for me, I am going to have many, many, many hours of just burning through these games. The gameplay itself was maybe an hour after, you know, it was a little bit longer. I had the mat out for about three hours, but that was me watching some videos, reading through the book, stopping going, is this right? I think once you set from setup to takedown, maybe about an hour to play a game. So remind me, is this set up for you to play through things sequentially? Or did you say it's one where you randomly generate like character villain setting and go there's no sequence so well i think in the box it starts from the easiest game to the hardest you can mix and match Mm -hmm. any final girl any bad guy and any location so theoretically there are hundreds of combinations that you can come up with 
depending on how you want to mix. And they even came with those dice that came in the... Um... Oh, yeah, the little dice holder. So if you want to be total random, it's this guy with the ne- Necromicon book. And if I want to just play a game, there you go. That's what it is. I can roll these two dice and it gives me the... F- and it Or it gives you the setting and it gives you the location. And then you choose a final girl to play. So it can be completely random. It can be in order... There's no, there are no rules in, in horror films. There are rules, but with this game, That's right. there are not. <laughs> All right. All right. So speaking of cool things, next episode, we are going to be looking at the holiday season being upon us and try to help you out with some gift ideas for the nerd in your life or some gift ideas for you to put on that wish list for your family and loved ones. Remember to subscribe, share, and give us that five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at NerdBestFriends. Or send a message by writing to podcast at NerdBestFriends.com. We did it, Stacy. That's a podcast. Stacy, it's been great having you on the podcast, specifically to talk about Remy and Michelle. So happy that you're able to spend some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I had the best time and you two are just a delight together and i will continue to like subscribe and share amazing and tell your friends my mom is very excited about this episode Hi, mom. It wasn't me that said boobs on this episode. I know. I thought about <laughs> no, that. I was like that. She no, she's going to be like, Ugh. my dad and my mom are big nerds. <laughs> you don't even know. So this episode, Rob, spit it was- out. I'm going to mute Just you in a second. Interrupt you this I could have been absent Rob- for this. Oh my God. I'm going to, I'm going to make you be absent for it right now. No, what? I'm going to go backwards. I'm just messing with you because you can't speak your sentence. So now yeah, I'm no, making faces at you to mess you up even worse. See, now I'm, I'm going to have to start over again. Can we say boobs on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. Well, Stacy, it's been an awful, awful blast having you here. Oh, God. <laughs> say awful. <laughs> say that differently. Uh, awful, awful blast. No, that was on purpose. Oh, it's oh, been okay, a disasterous <laughs> good time. Let's try, let's been, try that line again. Stacy, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. <laughs> but, okay.